welcome once again to the Coffin Heroes podcast. Uh, your host, as always, Alan. It is a wet and windy, cold and miserable Tuesday morning, 18th of December. But uh, James decided he wanted to record a podcast, so I'm giving him all the blame here. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, so, as ever, Hi guys. for movie reviews with uh, with James today. Uh, yeah, so what we're going to do today, it's going to be a two-pronged um, podcast, so it's... It's going to be a nice comparison, actually, for two different movies, uh, two different DC movies made at very different times in the superhero landscape. Uh, essentially, both origin stories as well, but done in very different ways. They're like at opposite ends of the spectrum, to be honest, but they're both pretty damn great, I have to say. Uh, spoiler warning for what yeah, we thought there. <laughs> you know, everyone. Get it, get it going at the start. <clears throat> Why not? So, yeah, so the first one we're going to chat about is Aquaman. Uh, so Aquaman has been in development for a good couple of years now they finished filming it I believe about a year and a half ago it was a long long time ago because obviously so much of the movie was uh, was special effects based Um, I would argue that they're doing things in this movie I've probably never seen in a cinema screen before Uh, you know the first thing that came to my head when I left left the movie was that it's possibly the bravest superhero movie I've ever seen there's a certain amount of suspension of disbelief in any superhero movie. Let's be honest, they're they're larger than life characters, they superpowers, all the rest. But with Aquaman, I think seventy percent of it takes place underwater. It gives a whole new mythology, a whole new way of life, and it shows a whole a whole different side to the world. You know, it's uh, it's bright, it's colorful, it's you believe it as a living, breathing system. And to achieve that in one movie, after Aquaman's last appearance being in Justice League, where you saw Atlantis for maybe two minutes. Sorry, what, what film was that? We'll, we'll get on to that later. <laughs> it does exist, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, that'll get mentioned every time as well. Yep. But You know, you watch something like Infinity War, for example. So Infinity War, a certain percentage of it is set on Earth. It, it, it's weird calling a movie that has a talking tree and a talking raccoon and whatever else as less brave than this but they already took those risks they already took those swings and with Infinity War it was almost about getting the band back together so there was not that there was anything safe about Infinity War it's still the best superhero movie of the year in my opinion but there was something comfortable about watching Infinity War you just knew it was going to be good with Aquaman I think we both came in with probably uh, lowered expectations, which probably helped the movie. In fairness, yeah, I'll, I'll stop babbling. I'll let you throw your, <laughs> um, your initial thoughts in. I just, I really loved it. I mean, it's you know, I was, I was actually about to, you know, just I was wanting mostly to come out of it and be like, oh, there we go, proved, you know, proved. Why, why would you want again. to go into a movie wanting <laughs> it to be bad? Because I don't like. I just, Jason Momoa, I'm not really a fan of in general. And obviously, given Justice League's see, this is something I would, I would like to ask about because I have no feelings either way for Jason Momoa. I don't watch Game of Thrones. I haven't really seen him in much else, to be honest. But there seems to be a subsect of people who are going into this movie going, "I want to hate this because I don't like Jason Momoa." <laughs> I think he comes across as a really cool guy. I mean, he's doing hackers at premieres with his kids. He's drinking beer and doing interviews he's he's doing it I think I would all like to think would do it as if we were a big actor you know he's not playing the game and making all the right you know making all the right speeches about com- studio companies and being given opportunities he's doing it his way I actually really respect him but there does seem to be a subsect of people who are just like no oh, I don't like him I'm not going to like this movie 
<laughs> but uh, but then I came out pleasantly surprised in the opening in about the opening 15-20 minutes I actually turned around and I to my mate and I was like wow I was like DC you know they're you know it's it, like they're not afraid to be a wee bit bold with it like the again spoilers I'll, yeah, uh, where they're on the submarine mm. and it kind of has his first encounter with what would then go on to be Black Manta and his dad gets trapped and he's like you know save him and he's like nah, I shouldn't be doing what you're doing so yeah and I was like oh it's like wow Aquaman's a bit of a dick <laughs> well he's a bit of a dick to a degree but he sort of justifies it in that moment by saying you killed people why should I save you you know it's I kind of like it because I'm in that moment I was thinking people are going to turn against this character but he actually reflects on it later yeah. saying like you know did I make the right choice so it obviously does weigh on him it's not like he just leaves him there to die and then you know doesn't think yeah, about no, it yeah that's what I love about it that's, that's what I really liked about it because you know you're sitting there thinking like oh okay you know good we opening that's nice sets up nicely and then like you said later on he's having to talk with Mar- is it Mara or Mara Mira. Mira, so yeah. And, you N- know. Neither of those two, but. <laughs> Mira. Third option. Mira. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like you said, he's sitting there and he's like, you know, crap basically, you know, and he, and then you start to realise, okay, he actually has you new know, morals, he's, he tries to, he's, you know, he doesn't really want any of this at all, but it kind of fell on his shoulders. So, and this, the cinematography, can we talk about the cinematography? We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> what, what I will say is that it's interesting that for you, the opening of the movie, where you knew it was going to be good. <clears throat> was the submarine um, action scene, which is about 15 minutes into the movie. For me, it was there. there's a one long shot take fighting sequence with uh, Nicole Kidman's character, yep, yep. which was phenomenal. <laughs> yep. It was just so brilliantly done. <coughs> For me, yeah, um, really you well know, shot. James Wan has always come across as quite a visual director, um, and he really, really proves it here. Um, but this whole one shot of her taking out maybe six to seven Atlantean guards... Like just like that, you know, like they're just you know flies on a you know swatting <laughs> away flies from her from her head. You know, it's uh, I, it was at that point I was like, this movie has a lot of confidence, which is a good thing. You know, I, I always got the feeling with something like Justice League, there was no confidence in that movie from the start. It was in development hell. It was switched directors, it changed tones. There's footage and trailers that's not in the movie, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just seemed like a real cut and paste together job throw it out there this will do um, it'll make money it'll be fine whereas with this you didn't really hear a lot about Aquaman for a good year other than the odd little shot here and the odd trailer here that you know they just very quietly and confidently assembled their movie and I think that shows um, what I will say is that in the advertising campaign there is one moment I really wish they hadn't put in the trailer uh, which is Aquaman in his more original suit because that's a big moment in the movie and I think they slightly spoiled it by showing, but you know we're used to things being spoiled in trailers. <laughs> I have to say, but uh, yeah, I mean you're you're talking there about <clears throat> the cinematography and so forth, the whole look of the movie, the designs, the imagination—it's phenomenal. It's just beautiful. Like you just uh, there's one shot in particular. Well, actually, there's about several, but one that really stood out to me is the the kind of pan over shot when they're in Italy. Is it Italy? Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, as the, the kind of more elite guards start mm-hmm. to take on Mira, and then it pans over the wall like in one shot, and then it's him flighting, flighting, <laughs> fighting uh, Black Manta. Yeah. But it's just beautifully done. You know, it's like in the one part and up and over, and in the other part, and then that whole scene just comes together. Yeah, like the two of them both in kind of like separate fights, and it's, oh, it's just yeah, it was so really well unique done. Looking. It was really yeah. unique. I mean, you follow Mira and the fight she was having, then you cut back to Arthur. You cut back to Arthur. Pardon me. 
but it's not like a case of you know lots of quick I mean action in movies these days I think ever since I always put it down to the Bourne movies action can be very quickly assembled and cut together because they think that conveys like a kinetic pace but what I love about the particular scene you're talking about is that it just lets it all breathe yeah. and you understand the geography of the whole situation and you know yeah Mira's over there fighting two or three guards they're crashing through walls underneath her yeah. above her chasing her through whatever means and then it cuts back and Arthur's fighting with Black Manta yeah uh, oh. it was fantastic but I mean that, that kind of action sequence is in stark contrast to say you know there's a great scene underwater <clears throat> where uh, Arthur is fighting his half brother uh, the Ocean Master uh, sort of in a battle to the death and whoever wins can you know ascend to the throne and they end up Mira ends up jumping in before Arthur loses and they escape and I was almost reminded of something like Star Wars but underwater <laughs> because it was almost like you know an X-Wing being chased through you know through space with yeah. you know loads of uh, troops firing after it and it really reminded me of Star Wars but it somehow gave it a really unique look underwater um, you know all I can think the whole way through this movie is James Cameron must be absolutely <laughs> raging that this movie has come out because I know Avatar 2 and possibly 3 or 4 or 9 or however many shot I know the big focus of it was going to show uh, Pandora's underwater ecosystem and have a lot of the action there but how <laughs> do you follow this up so yeah, quickly yeah it's pretty uh, um, also just going back to that rooftop scene you said you refer to, you know, to Bourne type stuff I referred it to um, the opening scene of Casino Royale mm -hmm. where that died and I said that's possibly the best kind of you know rooftop chase scene I've seen since yeah. since that because it really did just stand out you know it just takes your breath and it's like okay and for 15 minutes go yeah. <laughs> and you're just like oh <laughs> like, again, what is happening <laughs> again the whole word that just comes to mind is just confidence it's just like I'm going to show people something they've never seen before you know I, it would have been easy for this movie to be under finance for all the effects to look really bad for you know to be able you know what what they've done with this that I really like is it's quite a simple story. It's a story we all know. It's a you know, I can't believe what it says. It's a fish out of water story hey. where you know he's on land, but you know his true calling is under the sea. Um, it's you know sibling rivalry between two brothers. It's you know there there is a lot of stuff here that is very generic, but they elevate it through style, imagination. And just the visual splendor of the whole movie, and I think that was that was key. You can't take something like this, I think, too seriously. No, you know, not. it's it's underwater. It's a guy riding seahorses. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous when you start telling people, but you're you just want to say like they made it so badass. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, you know, you're just sitting there the whole time, just mouth dropped. You know, I mean, there's stuff here with like the kraken that I've never seen before. There's I mean the, the third act alone I think would take you four to five viewings to take it all in there's so much going on and I mean that in a good way it's like you don't know where to look because <laughs> there's so much care in the frame it's not just like the main action's in the middle of the frame and we'll just do you know generic computer effects on the outside which will you know just be repeating themselves yeah. like I've noticed that in stuff like Lord of the Rings if you go back to it okay. see when you've got these large pan down scenes like yeah. Helm's Deep and stuff like that <coughs> you can just see repeated animations throughout <laughs> it if you look a bit too closely so in this you just don't know where to look um, you know I, I came out of it and I actually said this that I think it's the most fun superhero movie of the year Infinity War is a better movie by all accounts but it's a much more serious movie this in pure joyful summer block you know it's weird to say in December but <laughs> summer blockbustery type switch your brain off just enjoy the visuals 
it reminded me of like a Spielberg movie or you know you know when he was at his height or even Peter Jackson I suppose you know it had Lord of the Rings elements as well it also reminded me a little bit of Tron uh, with some of the some of the visuals as well but it's a mishmash of everything but it just works and it just shouldn't work it but should it, be but ridiculous it but it, should, it does <laughs> it should be utterly totally ridiculous I mean when everyone was talking about how this is the movie that needs to save the, the DC movie universe everyone just was writing the obituaries everyone was like look it's done you know yeah. just scrap it all it doesn't work he's got lucky with Wonder Woman so to speak just scrap it and start all over again but and then this happened give this <laughs> you know give him Justice League you know uh, the, the you know the problems with Justice League are well known at this point and all the rest but what you definitely didn't have in Justice League which you do have here is a single vision and that's what this movie was and I hate that this movie came out after Justice League if this movie had come out before then you would have had your solo Superman movie Man of Steel you would have had Wonder Woman you would have had Aquaman all these characters would have been established and then maybe you make Justice League maybe you make a Flash movie and then make Justice League you know with the Flash you maybe had a little bit of leeway because people are familiar with the Flash through the TV show and yep. all the rest that's fine but you know it's when you see a movie done this well it just makes how bad Justice League was hurt even more <laughs> because yeah. the tools are there for this stuff to be done well I mean Marvel proved time and time again and they just rushed Justice League and just I'm not going to get into all that yeah, again just, we'll, we'll be here longer yeah, than necessary we, we will indeed um <laughs> But yeah, Aquaman, honestly, go see it. I don't think you'll have seen a movie before like it um, in terms of visuals. It's bloody spectacular. Too much water. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. For me, I'm going to ignore that. You know, this is a man who says too many spies. Hey. And calls worst movies of the year 5 out of 10. That's why I'm not sure how to take your 10 out of 10 rating for this, you know. It's only five points. It's only five points better than Slenderman, uh, <laughs> which apparently is the biggest piece of crap you've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, with this, you know, final word on Aquaman for me: ten out of ten movie all day long. Probably in my top, definitely my top five of the year. Possibly top three. Um, I've enjoyed some really great movies this year. Whether it's I loved Mission Impossible Fallout, as people know. I loved The Quiet Place. I loved Infinity War. Um, no, this is definitely up there. Yeah, top ten for me. Yeah. Top 10, so you've seen 10, 10 out of 10 movies this year? No, but I'm just like, I'm saying, like, out of all the films I've seen, which are, you know, just, I've seen 85 films this year. <laughs> Half an hour went down. And to all of them were made degree. in the last three years, no doubt. <laughs> I know you don't like movies from before 2010. No, it was Hawk Casino. Although I say that, and then we're going to move on to a movie that was made, ah, believe it or not, made 13 years ago. Yeah. Holy moly, that's yep. depressing. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll just jump straight into what we're going to uh, pair this up with. Um, so, the one thing we didn't really say about Aquaman, I should say, is it's not just a straightforward generic origin movie. No. You know, they, superheroes are established in this world. They do show a little bit of Arthur being trained by Volko, Willem Dafoe, who's very good in the movie as yep. well. Also, shout out to Dolph Lundgren. Anything with Dolph Lundgren is always a good thing. I can't believe you're looking at me like now with Dolph Lundgren was in this. He's Mira's dad. One of the main characters. Oh. Oh, dear. And Patrick Wilson. Oh, dear. Uh, Patrick Wilson, yes, is Ocean Master. The only other thing I can ever think of Patrick Wilson from is uh, Watchmen, but I don't know he's in is it Conjuring. Yeah, which is he's what, with yeah, James Wan's yeah, universe. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the cast was great, and also I'm probably going to get a slap in the head from the missus for saying this, but 
Amber Heard is ridiculously hot the whole way through this. Is that Nero? Yes. Okay. The only movie I wore <laughs> off the top of my head was a Johnny Depp movie. It was The Rum Diary, which was the follow-up to uh, Fear and Love in Las Vegas. Oh, uh, okay. I'm not sure what else she's been in, in fairness, but uh, she was very good in good this. Good actress, I yeah. have to say. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, <clears throat> this wasn't, as I say, such a straightforward um, origin movie. So what we were going to do was pair this up with what I think, personally, is the ultimate superhero origin movie. Uh, which is Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Yay. Now, first of all, I am shocked that James has seen this. It was made 13 years ago, as I say. <laughs> you know, he probably thinks movies were black and white 13 years ago. But uh, Batman Begins is a movie I, I wholeheartedly would say that this store would not exist without Batman Begins. I when I was a when I was a younger kid I read comic books but I wasn't hugely into them I I read them as sort of throwaway pleasures never thought too much about them and then when Batman Begins came out I was 22 and I saw this movie and this larger life representation of Batman and it was taken so seriously and done so well and you know the cast is incredible and I walked out of it and I turned to my friend uh, Stephen who I'd seen it with I used to work with in the cinema and said that was amazing and he said did you know that's based on a comic book it's primarily based on a Batman story called Year One so he brought that in for me the next day and I read it and I read it cover to cover in one sitting and just handed it back to him and said what else have you got and that's where my love of comic books came from I started getting massively into Batman graphic novels started reading all the classics Long Halloween Dark Knight Returns Hush etc uh, etc and you know no man's land nightfall you know they just they roll off the tongue once you know about them but i had no idea that this massive world existed and then uh obviously i went from batman to superman to you know wonder woman justice league to marvel to spider-man to fantastic four and so forth so batman begins was a very very important movie for me in my life so if you try shit you're in trouble uh, <laughs> but uh <clears throat> what i what i would say is um I still think it's the ultimate origin movie and I think that movies are still copying its template to this day um, but they just can't get it right in the same way that these guys did yeah I remember actually having a conversation with a couple of mates um, whenever it came out now the funny thing was I actually didn't see this in the cinema um, it took until it came out in DVD till I saw it and because uh, there were a couple of mates that went to see it and they were like oh yeah and so you know, Batman Begins I was like they made another one you know, because obviously this was after yeah. 98's Batman and Robin, which just say no more on, but... <laughs> um, and I was like, really? They're still going with that there? And they were yeah. like, yeah, but you know, they were like, you should check this out. You know, it's pretty it's pretty dark for being like a 12 at the time. Pretty, pretty sure 12A was represented or introduced around about the same time or just shortly after. 12A, believe it or not, was introduced because of a superhero movie, but it wasn't Batman Begins. No, it was Spider-Man, Spider yeah, because of a... Because so many Green parents Goblin. complained that they couldn't take their kids to see it. This is genuinely whack. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Green Goblin was pretty terrifying. And then you go back and watch Spider-Man, and just for the part where he gets impaled at the end by his own glider, <laughs> a child probably shouldn't, of six or seven, probably shouldn't yeah, be watching probably that. not, though. But, um, but yeah, and then I told me about it, and then I obviously waited until it came out on DVD, and then, yeah, and I watched it, and I was like, wow, I was like, this is pretty good. And I obviously at the time had no idea who any of the actors were. You know, absolutely didn't know who Michael Caine was? <clears throat> uh, well, no, it's, I know who Michael Caine was. know who Morgan like, Freeman was? Well, there was besides those. I didn't two. know who Gary Oldman was. <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't. Um, or Christian Bale, or you know, um, what do you call her? Kitty Holmes. Yeah, Kitty Holmes. I was like, no. Rooker no. Har. No. You just you just showed a massive gap in your movie knowledge there. I mean, the man's in Blade Runner. 
Killian uh, Murphy as well. You know, I hadn't, hadn't seen these guys, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, this is fun. And then I saw how, well, I'll jumping too far ahead, but how Scarecrow was represented and all. And it's oh, best representation. Yeah, of I mean, you, you you talked obviously there about Batman and Robin. Uh, now I remember going to see Batman and Robin in the cinema, and I went on what this thing that doesn't exist anymore, but it used to be called World Cinema Day, <laughs> and all movies were a pound. Oh, that's so. Cool. Me and my brother went to the movies. We saw two in a row. We saw Jackie Chan's Rumble in the Bronx, which was great. Then we went to see Batman and Robin. And even though I only paid a pound, I still felt ripped off. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. But Batman and Robin essentially killed the Batman franchise for a number of years. Um, with the Batman franchise, just for a brief history, Batman 89 was massive. You know, this was pre-internet days. This was pre, you know, premium television days. Batman 89 was the very definition of a summer movie event and it was huge. It was everywhere in the world. Uh, it's not a good movie, but that's by the by. Oh. Then uh, then you have Batman Returns, which the studio sort of let Tim Burton go all Tim Burton as much as he wanted for it. Uh, they give him loads of freedom and it's a really weird movie. And again, personal opinion, of course, I don't think it's a very good movie. Looks fantastic, but just not a very good movie. So after that, uh, Warner Brothers got a little bit scared at this dark turn this franchise was taking. So they brought in Joel Schumacher, made Batman Forever. Uh, Keaton was offered fifteen million to come back. He said no, nope, not without Tim Burton. Now in those days, I mean fifteen million then is probably about fifty now uh, <clears throat> for conversion rates. But they hired Val Kilmer, who was uh, hot off of Top Gun, The Saint, um, those kind of things. Batman Forever, I genuinely think is an underrated Batman movie. I think it's at least it's a movie about Bruce Wayne, you know, because people probably know I've chatted about this a million times, but Batman is a Joker movie for me. Uh, Batman Returns is a Catwoman and Penguin movie, whereas this is at least a Bruce Wayne movie with villains in it. Uh, so it made good money. It, it made more than Batman Returns. I don't think it made quite as much as Batman, but uh, the studio were happy. They gave Schumacher another try. Then he brought in probably the biggest uh, actor in the world, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. Hot off of True Lies, of course, the Terminator movies as Mr. Freeze. Uh, Uma Thurman, I think, had not long won an Oscar, and she was Poison Ivy. Uh, Alicia Silverstone was hot off of Clueless. George Clooney was hot off of ER. I mean, how could this movie feel? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> if you want an exercise on how not to make a movie, this is it. It was absolutely abysmal in every uh. at every turn. Uh, the only movie I've seen close to it is... In terms of superhero movies, it's probably Venom, uh, which is not quite as bad, but it's it's not far off it from. from no, me. Def definitely up there. <laughs> please, please don't fight me. Um, <laughs> so after that, the the Batman franchise stalled. Um, you know, Warner Brothers they were scared to commit to a Batman movie after all of that, and there was actually a gap of eight years. That was ninety seven when Batman and Robin came out, and there was a gap of eight years between it and Batman Begins. Now they did try a few times to get some going. It's not like they said strictly for eight years we're not making a Batman movie. <laughs> Joel Schumacher was lined up to do another. It was going to be called Batman Triumphant, oh. and they had preliminarily preliminary. That makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they pretty much had Nicolas Cage in place. He was going to play the Scarecrow, and uh, this was coming together. And then just Warner Brothers pulled the plug, said it's not happening. We're done. Uh, then Darren Aronofsky came close to doing an adaptation, uh, which was going to be sort of a weird take on Batman Year One. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting talking about this one because I started reading the script for this one last night out of pure curiosity. Where did you find it's that? It's freely available online. Just literally search 
Aronofsky Batman script. That's cool. And uh, it was actually written by Frank Miller, who is you know Ooh. a god amongst comic book writers. But they totally changed it. Um, I only read the first twenty pages. I was getting a bit tired. But um, Alfred doesn't exist. The main character of Bruce Wayne is there, but he's like an angry teenager. He lives with this guy called Little Al, who runs a car auto shop, which is across the road from a crack house and prostitution building where Selena Kyle works. This was as far as I got. Um, They really tried to reinterpret it a hell of a lot. And this is surprising because it was being touted as sort of an adaptation of year one. Frank Miller wrote year one. But yet he decided to change it all up for this. Right. So the studio passed on this. This they were apparently aiming for a really hard R graphic violence style of movie. Good lord. Um, so there was that. <clears throat> then after um, after that, they uh, tried to make Batman be Superman. Believe it or not, they had it all go. It was going to be Wolfgang Peterson. I actually remember this. Yeah. yeah who had directed Perfect Storm, Troy movies like that. Um, and it was going to be the guy who wrote Seven, Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote a script. Ooh. Again, apparently this script is freely out there. I know that it starts with Batman's retired and he has left Gotham. <clears throat> He's married to Catwoman. And something happens where the Joker kills Catwoman. And Bruce is then brought back to Gotham to go after the Joker. And then there's something going on with Lex Luthor and Superman as well. It's apparently a pretty good script. I haven't read it. But I think it's freely available online as well. Nice. At that time, <coughs> Josh Hartnett was rumoured for Superman. He was pretty hot off of Pearl Harbor. Um, and he was pretty much seen as like the next big thing. And Christian Bale was actually rumoured for Batman at the time. Oh, okay. Which, of course, would then come to pass. Yeah. So I think that was in around 2003 they were trying to do that. They even had an Easter egg and I Am Legend for it. Um, oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. The, the in, billboard. In the billboard yeah, at the start. And that's that. apparently what they were going to be using, that design. So... It took Christopher Nolan at this point. He was known for smaller, sort of indie-based movies. He had done Memento. Great film. Uh, thoroughly stunning. You've watched Memento? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, it's really it's difficult of, to follow, but it's... it's uh... a, lot, a lot of black and white in that movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then he made, uh, he made a movie called Insomnia after that, which was actually a remake of a um, Scandinavian movie. And it had Al Pacino and Robin Williams in it. Really good turn by Robin Williams in it. Ooh, that sounds that's good. Yeah, it's to do with this. Uh, Al Pacino plays a cop who, you know, he's really... <laughs> so surprisingly. Well, he's one of these jaded, tired cops. He ends up going to this place in Scandinavia where there's no... It, it's always daylight based on the time of year it is. So, like, there's scenes in the movie where he's clogging up all the windows. He's just He just desperately wants some sleep. I've never seen a man look so tired in a movie. Like, it's obviously intentional. But he's brought to this small town where there's these murders happening and Robin Williams' character is the main suspect. Robin Williams is great, and it's a darker turn for him. Uh, like one-hour photo? Yeah, yeah, it was around the same time. I think, oh, okay. I think it was about a year between the two. Cool. Um, so, yeah, no one was offered Batman. Apparently, his agent rang him up and said, you won't be interested in this, but I'll offer it to you anyway. And he was like... Yeah, definitely be interested in that. He has cited his two main influences for Batman Begins as Richard Donner's Superman in terms of let's assemble a great cast. Let's not just spend all our money on who Batman is. Let's assemble a great cast of people. Um, And let's make Gotham a character the same way Metropolis is a character in the original Superman. And the other main influence, which uh, he set the whole cast and crew down to watch just before they started filming, was Blade Runner. And they said, this is how we're going to make Batman. 
and you can really see that in the sort of the neo noir stylings of the city and yeah. all the stuff in the narrows a lot of that design um so yeah i mean everything about batman begins for me it just screams reverence and respect for the source material oh yeah uh you know a lot of people might not have known this but one of the one of the key changes for me as a comic as you know as a comic book fan i didn't notice it my, even myself so much at the time because again i wasn't as massively into comics as i am now but in the first batman movie batman 89 they made the joker as the person who killed bruce wayne's parents yeah yeah that's right yeah never happens never happens the character has always been the same guy a guy called joe chill it was a random mugging it wasn't planned and what do they do in batman begins they reinstate joe chill as the killer guy who was starving and just wanted some money and the situation got out of control um you know they have bruce training with the league of shadows again the one had ever thought about this everyone Everyone's knowledge of Batman, unless you read the comics, was probably just, oh, his parents died, he jumped into a bat suit straight away. <laughs> yeah, you but, know? but he had to have done some problems Exactly, <laughs> so there was training, there was, you know, they, they sh- the reason Nolan said he took this movie on is because they've never, any movie that Batman's in, he's always fully formed. They never showed how he became Batman. And in this, between them, you know, being sent off to Iceland at the start, you know, the scope in this movie is incredible. Um... Uh, I'm probably rambling a little bit because I get really excited chatting about this. <laughs> but like Batman '89 and all the other Batman movies, they were all shot on a soundstage. They're all they all feel like small all movies. All of them wow. are shot on a soundstage. The only part that's not shot on a, star, a soundstage apparently is there is a motorbike race in Batman and Robin, I think, that was on yeah on, was on yeah. like the streets. Everything else is shot on the soundstage. Everything. Batman begins with uh, you know. A quick introduction to Bruce as a child chasing his friends and he falls down this well. Then they show this grand house out in the middle of, you know, out in the countryside where the Wayans live. Then it cuts to, you know, him being in China in prison and then it cuts to him going climbing a mountain in Nepal and you know, the scope of the movie straight away was massive, which I think was a was a big difference. Um But before we started recording this as well, I did say to to James I'd noticed something different. Uh, that I'd never noticed before. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear what this is. <laughs> this, I don't even know why it came to my mind to check it as I was watching it. So when Batman Begins starts, uh, Bruce is in prison and he's in a lunch line and there's a guy coming up to him and his friends like, you know, they're going to kill you. And he says, oh, can't they kill me before breakfast? And a fight breaks out. So he beats them all up and uh, then the, the guards are dragging him away and they say it's for protection you know I don't need protection you know, protection for them and, then, and yeah. it shows you all the guys lying on the ground yeah and then he's thrown into the uh, cell and um, Ducard as we know him at this point turns up and he says oh do you just beat someone up for your own satisfaction he goes well actually there were seven of them and Ducard says I count six Mr. Wayne there were seven so straight away they're making you know, if you think of how the League of Shadows are trying to recruit Bruce Wayne at this point, they're already trying to throw doubts in his mind by saying you didn't beat up as many people as you thought. As he was fighting them, I counted seven, and I thought, well, maybe one was just like a double cut or something. Yeah. But when he's being dragged away from them, you see them all writhing on the ground. There's seven of them, yeah. so it shows that Bruce Wayne's perception skills, even at that point, even in the middle of all that scramble, he was correct, and the League of Shadows are trying to throw him off balance, like. Well, it wasn't quite seven; it was six. But we'll make we'll train you so that you can take on seven. That sort of thing. 
just a tiny little detail, something I'd never noticed before. That's really cool, actually. Um, and yeah, I've seen this movie 50, 60 times, and nice. I still can't believe I've seen new stuff in it. <laughs> uh, another great thing I thought about it was the villains. Um, you know, if, if you're familiar with the character of Batman, which you know most of the world is at this yeah. point, you think of villains of Batman, you think of the Joker, you think of the Penguin, you think of Two-Face, you think of the Riddler, you think of Catwoman. You think of all these characters long before you think of Ra's al Ghul, before you think of the Scarecrow, before you think of Victor Saz, who has a very quick appearance. Yeah. You know, I like that this showed a confidence in the story they were telling because they didn't have a villain to throw their marketing campaign behind in the same way that like Batman 89 did or Batman or Returns did. Dark Knight even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, Dark Knight, obviously they threw a lot behind you know, Heath Ledger's Joker. Yep. Um, so I really liked that there was, like these guys clearly understood the comics who were make, who were writing this and directing this. They understood the rich, you know, rich tapestry of villains that there are in Batman, and it's not just let's fall in the same old familiar ones. Because even if you think of the Batman TV show, like Batman '66, <laughs> you think of the Joker, you think of the Riddler, you think of the Penguin, you know. So it's, I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Um, also, have you played the games at all, the <clears throat> Arkham games? The Batman or yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like Ra's al Ghul provides one of the best boss fights in that entire series. Oh, yeah. That and is a great visual. Ra's al Ghul and fight. the Scarecrow are arguably the two best yep. fights in the first one. Yep. Um, the Ra's al Ghul one's like a big hallucination, isn't it? Yeah. Down in the basement. And the Scarecrow one, you're you're um, you've got the fear toxin, and you end up doing like the side scrolling platformer where like the Scarecrow's this massive character like lording over you. Uh, yeah, never thought about that before. Actually, it's uh. I wonder if that's a nice little nod to the importance of those characters. Possibly. In the movie. Um, you know, even <clears throat> the way they set up in this movie and just how corrupt Gotham is. You know, the other movies you never got this sense. You got a little tiny bit of a payoff in Batman 89 with this cop Eckhart who was um, taking bribes. But in this, there's one line Gordon says which I think is amazing. It's just so much conveyed in one line of dialogue. Which is where Flask gets into the car and he's like, God, I don't suppose you want a taste of the money. He's just um, got off like a shopkeeper for protection money. And uh, he's like, you know, we, we get nervous when you don't take it. And he goes, I'm not a rat. And then he says, in a city this corrupt, who's there to rat to anyway? Yeah. Just one line yeah. of dialogue. And then even later on, when uh, Ducard's talking about it, he says, we're talking about a city so corrupt that we have infiltrated it at every single yeah. level. Um so you really get the sense of how dark a time this is for Gotham and how it needs a knight to come along and save it, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, I, lo I love how Gotham's using this. They shot in Chicago. Um, it always bugged me in Dark Knight Rises when you get to that, that they shot in New York instead of Chicago. Because Dark Knight was Chicago as well. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. But Dark Knight Rises, I understand it was because they wanted to shoot at Wall Street for some of it, but oh, should have just shot in Chicago. really bugs me. Um <laughs> You know, and, and another thing, just you know, talking about Gordon there, is that they really spend a lot of time in this movie setting up the bond between Gordon and Batman. And like Batman and Batman and Robin and Batman Forever and all the rest, Gordon is such a secondary character. He's literally a he's literally a fat old guy yeah. who just you know <laughs> flicks a switch and he's like, oh, Batman will save us. You know, in this they set up the the relationship between the two of them. And again, one of my favorite lines in the movie is where. Bruce very early on before he's even in a bat suit uh, breaks into Gordon's office That's and right, yeah. he's like you know here's uh, some evidence against this guy and blah 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 and he's like 
you're just one guy and he goes no we're two one of my favourite lines of, of the whole thing it sets their dynamic up straight away um, so yeah I mean I I could just go on and on and on and on about it what, what really struck me as interesting as well is that and I'm probably going to be called out on this I'm probably told that I'm wrong or whatever but it's one of the few superhero origin movies where the main character actively searches out to be a hero you watch Iron Man he's trapped so he creates the Iron Man suit out of necessity to escape yeah. you watch Captain America yes he, uh, Steve Rogers obviously wants to fight in the war and help his country but it's only once he gets all that you know, soldier serum put into him and his friend is captured that he really steps forward because up to then he's just like a choir a course line boy um, you watch the Incredible Hulk. You know he, you know Bruce Banner's infected by accident. Um, you watch Thor. He's just like this over-the-top cocky dumbass, and it's only when he's you know made the grovel a little bit and proved that he's worthy that he becomes a hero. So this is one of the few movies where a guy. There's a part where Bruce Wayne has spoken to Falcone, and then he's looking out at the ocean, and there's a ship. Uh, there's a, um, a ship ready to pull off, and you can just see the wheels in his head turning of. I need to get out of here and go make myself a better person so I can take this guy down. And he's one of the few characters that actively decides, I'm going to be a hero. Like even Black Panther, you know, he's born into royalty, um, so you can't really use that. Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Ant-Man in general, I suppose. He's a thief, a thief so. you know. <laughs> so, in that sense, like even, even you know, to, to bring it all back, Aquaman... Aquaman's a very reluctant guy. He's got all the power in the world, but he's like, look, I don't want to be part of your underwater society. You know, you killed my mom. You, you know, banished me. You, you want nothing to do with me. This is one of the few movies where a guy's like, I am actively going to go out, use my wealth and resources to make myself a better person to save my city. And I love that about it as well. Um, that scene in the house is fantastic. Like his birthday party. Oh yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's a good demonstration of. Uh, you, know, you always need the suspension of disbelief in any Batman story that people won't work out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. No. Bruce Wayne comes back to Gotham around the same time as a mysterious guy starts you know, jumping off rooftops. But they do a couple of scenes in it. One is at the hotel where he jumps in the pool and he's like, oh, I'm buying this hotel. And he walks in with two supermodels. Yeah. The other one, as you say, is in the house where uh, he says to Raz, let these people go. And... Uh, He's like, oh, you're welcome to do whatever you can. They empty the house and they act really drunk. Yeah. He's, oh, welcome. Thanks for coming and drinking all my booze. Mm-hmm. And then it changes all to like, you sycophatic suck-ups. Just get out of my house. Leave me in peace. So these are the kind of scenes. And then even the fact that his house burns down and all the rest. After yeah. this, <laughs> after this rant at everybody, that people would be like, there's no way that guy's Batman. Um, there's one line which Raz says in it, which I just, I love so much. It's, um when they're talking about it and then you know he's kind of like uh, if someone stands in the way of justice you simply walk up behind them and stab them in the heart and I was just like oh, that's so good I was like that's so good. yeah but he sort of gave away that someone was behind him yeah <laughs> you walk up behind him he just instantly turns around and stops the guy so good um, yeah I mean it's interesting because there's also there's a great sort of duality that works really well through Batman Begins as well as just the whole duality of Bruce Wayne and Batman but Raz al Ghul in a sense created Batman because without his training and his direction um, he would never become Batman and I thought to myself is this all coincidental or whatever yeah. but then you you look at it a bit longer and you go no it's not because they actively recruit Bruce Wayne because they say 
as Gotham's favourite son, you're ideally placed for us to infiltrate yep. Gotham. So it, it's not just like they came across Bruce Wayne in the prison by accident and he became Batman. It was all by design. But the duality I'm talking about is um, they create Batman, but then Bruce Wayne essentially creates Everyone Raz else. Al Ghul in a yeah. sense because he would have died in the fire, but he took him out and took him to a village and said, look, look after him. So he's only alive at the end because Bruce saved him. Um, so it's, it's interesting in that sense as well. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you talk about everything in this movie, even something like the music. Like, I absolutely adore the Hans Zimmer score the whole way through it. A lot of people love Batman 89 because they think that that's the whole Batman... Da, 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 da. <laughs> that theme doesn't hold a candle to me in term in comparison to this because this music fits the movie that's a great you know call to arms type of you know track <laughs> but it never makes sense in those movies whereas the music in this feels very organic and perfectly placed um, performances all around you were saying you weren't too familiar with some of the actors but I would argue that this movie you know set off a lot of people's careers you know be oh, Bill obviously was one of those guys he, he could never quite crack the A-list despite great performances I mean you look at American Psycho was before this yeah. The Machinist was a really good movie but he could never quite crack the A-list until he did this um, Michael Caine has said that he owes the twilight of his career completely to Christopher Nolan and he's actually become Nolan's lucky charm he's in every Nolan movie from Batman Begins onwards yeah so that's very um, true you look at Morgan Freeman was always one of those steady hands I suppose Killian Murphy wasn't so well known before this although he's probably most, mostly well known now for uh, Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, you had Tom Wilkinson great British actor playing Carmine Falcone I would argue this movie gave Neeson's career a good boost and after this that's when he settled in his whole action persona yeah because he hadn't really done something like this since Star Wars wasn't no, it episode 1 I would say so uh, Rutger Haar uh, as I was saying the, obviously his most famous role will forever be Blade Runner but I'm going to throw out one last controversial thing as well I actually prefer Katie Holmes in this role to Maggie Gyllenhaal oh yeah no 100% I, yeah, I'm totally off you on that I don't know what it is about Maggie Gyllenhaal she's not it's not that this is a bad actress it's just with Katie Holmes seems more like you know, she seems like the, the girl next door that you grew yeah, up with. Pr- yeah, pretty much. Like know, whereas Maggie Gyllenhaal seems more mature. She just and she comes across very cold and yeah, dark like night a hard the whole body. way through. Yeah. Um, she just comes across very cold and calculating, and I don't know. Kitty Holmes has always been the girl next door because she never quite shook off that Dawson's Creek persona. Also, she's more attractive. Personally. I would agree with that as well. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I can't. It's it's my only slight negative when you get to the Dark Knight is that it's not the same actor or actress in that role, which is a shame. But you know, even the ending of Batman Begins, it's like, and I didn't even I didn't even catch on to it the first time around. Like when he gives him the card, it just like it well, took me a while to snip on. I was like, oh my god. I was thinking about this as well, and they essentially created the post credit scene before the post credit scene. Oh yeah, because. But instead of it being like, I don't want it to mean the post-credit scene, because they are fun and there's usually good Easter eggs and there's things being lined up. But the guy who directed uh, Logan, James Mangold, hates them, and he came out and he said the reason he hates stingers like that at the end of movies is because it can make you forget all about a terrible movie. You might have watched the movie and it was awful, but then the mid-credit scene's just like, oh my god, I can't wait for that. So you leave the cinema with that feeling of. Oh, that, that mid-credit scene was amazing, wasn't it? But you're not thinking about the movie. Yeah. 
And it would have been easy at the end of Batman Begins to just finish with the bat signal in the sky, cut the black halfway through the credits. Oh, take this guy, you know, double homicide, taste for the theatrical like you. He leaves a card at locations, then it's the yeah. Joker card. So they effectively created the post credit <clears throat> stinger. And, but they were good enough, confident enough to put it into the movie. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's pure setup for a second movie right there. Um, which, for me, is a better movie from memory. But rewatching Batman Begins last night, it, it really did reinvoke my love for it. It's <laughs> just such a brilliantly, brilliantly made movie. And it's why Nolan is, for me, the best director working in Hollywood today. And he's one of the few directors we were chatting a little bit before this, uh, James and I, about you know the movie Mortal Engines, how it's going to lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Peter Jackson's obviously very well revered in Hollywood as well, but there's not a lot of directors anymore that they will give big budgets to and be and to tell original stories and be confident in that person. But Nolan knocked it out of the park with Inception, made a ton of money. Knocked it out of the park with Interstellar, made a lot of money. Knocked it out of the park with Dunkirk, made a lot of money. So he's one of the few directors that um, they seem confident giving a big budget to. He's he reminds me almost of someone like Alfred Hitchcock, where you went to see something because it was a Hitchcock movie. You go to see this because it's an Nolan movie, <laughs> or or like a Spielberg, or a, you know, back when he was good, George Lucas. Um, you know, he's a name that people trust, and it doesn't matter what the concept of the movie is, whether it's a movie set inside dreams or a movie set in space wormholes or a movie that uh, is you know just one long scene during the war people trust him to make a great movie so uh, yeah for me Batman Begins will always be well not always be because you always hope that someone will come along and do it better but to this point it's easily the greatest superhero origin movie of all time yep I got no I got no objections to that and uh, my sister will be very proud you said that as well because she said, if you diss this film, I'll kill you. I was like, okay. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> I've, I've learned your sister has better music, uh, movie taste than you. So. <laughs> and you haven't even met her, really. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just getting another good side here. Hold on, what did she give Heat out of 10? I can't remember. Uh, she, well, she, she, she doesn't really like Heat, to be honest. All right, I, take back <laughs> I would like to take back my previous statement. Uh, so yeah. I would. But, um, you know, but... Even with, you know, just mentioning Heat there, for example. I mean, Batman Begins obviously very, very heavily influenced by Blade Runner and by Superman. You know, Dark Knight's massively influenced by Heat. And, you know, no one's ever been quiet about, you know, stating that fact. So, really? Yeah. Oh, he... What, Heat? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. The, 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 like, he has said they watched Heat and they said, this is how we're going to make a Batman movie. It's <laughs> basically, he, <clears throat> if you think about it, it's like a master cop and a master thief. It's a master superhero and a master villain. Just chasing each other all over the city. That's, that's um, true. It's, he's very much said that you know Heat was a massive influence on uh, Dark Knight. So nice. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there because we're getting close to opening time. Uh, so we are. But uh, yeah, it's uh, just a little double pronged. Just our thoughts on Aquaman and Batman Begins. Uh, I'm sure we'll do some sort of follow up to these. We'll probably go through the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises at some point as well, and. You know, those would be my suggestions. Obviously, James can throw any his way he wants. Um, well, probably this will probably be the last one. Well, for me anyway, I have twenty eighteen though. So yeah, it's yeah. A, I have another one lined up for two days from now. So <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, thanks, thanks very much. It's no. been a it's been a good year. <laughs> yeah, pleasure as always. Um, yeah, always always happy to sit down, and just talk movies and talk geeks. So yeah, um, nerds. Yeah, <laughs> nerds. Uh, to quote Homer Simpson. Hey, hey, buddy, did you get to learn the nerd? Excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, finish this one off. But as I say, guys, I've got another one coming up soon. We're going to be sitting down doing a uh, 
a variation on our reviews podcast it's going to be our, our end of year podcast um just the 20 different categories we're going to be chatting about just 20 so (laughs) we're going to be recording that in a couple of days and have that out before the end of the year but in the meantime I hope you guys enjoyed this one and uh, I'm sure we'll be back soon bye